Hi guys, welcome to the Accounting Tech Tar Pit, presented by Early Adopters Hub, the accelerator for accounting tech. I'm your host, Jack Teal, and this is a podcast for accounting tech startup founders focused on no BS, candid conversations about the challenges and benefits of building a startup in the accounting industry. Welcome back, listeners. Johan and I are really excited for the conversation we're going to bring to you today. Uh, as always, we're joined by a very special guest. Uh, so Liam McNamara, great to have you here, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us and, and giving up your time. I know you're a busy man, obviously running a firm and building a startup is probably enough on your plate. But, uh, you know, it's always good to, to have these conversations for the benefit of the accounting tech ecosystem, uh, especially getting insights from early stage founders like yourself. So look, for anyone who's listening who doesn't necessarily know you, I'll give a quick background. Uh, you know, you're relatively new on the accounting tech scene, uh, you know, so are we. But over the past few years, I think you've really begun to kind of make a name for yourself. You're kind of standing out as a an innovator amongst early adopters, uh, you've got an, an awesome firm called Project Alfred, very forward thinking, outsource finance function, focused on startups and, and growing businesses. You're a serial early adopter of tech yourself, always looking for solutions to your problems, going outside the accounting tech ecosystem, doing things that not a lot of accounting firms are doing. So it's it's not surprising necessarily from my perspective that you know you spotted an issue in your firm and thought, maybe I can go and solve this with your experience in tech. But Obviously, we're keen to understand the journey that you're on. Uh, you're developing, I suppose, a piece of tech in the reporting and forecasting space, which in itself, I think a lot of people would say is potentially a tar pit area because there's been a number of startups that have gone down this route. So maybe something we can go into is why you think your chances of success are going to be higher than everyone else's. Uh, but yeah, you are the earliest person in the journey I think we've ever spoken to. Uh, you're very fresh in the startup journey uh, so yeah keen to kind of get your perspective understand the progress you've made the challenges you've come across already potentially any mistakes you've had uh, so yeah was there anything else you wanted to add to that intro to to give listeners context to the journey you've been on i mean that was pretty pretty well well said in, intro so uh, i don't think there's really anything more outside of you know um two years into an accounting firm and um wanted to start a tech company to, to solve one of our problems. So yeah, I think that that's probably as much background as kind of is relevant. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, we, I mean, we talk a lot about focus. So being two years into building an accounting firm, now building a startup, trying to maintain focus on both, obviously a big challenge. Uh, but before we get too far down that route, I want to know what, what process you went through within your firm itself to try and, you know, I understand that the tech you're building is based off of a a personal pain point that you're trying to solve or some some difficulties trying to find a solution for it. So how 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 far and wide did you search for a solution to this problem before you thought, okay, I guess I'm going to have to do it? Yeah, so I mean, I my background is in um, Power BI from um, a while ago. And so I, I could like build out the reports myself and make them always flexible and customizable and stuff as I wanted to. Um, and then when we... Uh, and that was like pre-Project Alfred. Then when we um, uh, started Project Alfred, was um, building out reports not in Power BI because I don't love the delivery method. And so I kind of moved on to, to other tools and was doing stuff in Google Sheets. And um, then kind of 
every time a new reporting tech would come out or I, I would spend like, you know, every week looking at different tools. Some I would uh, pay for and kind of go deep on them and see, um, you know, what, what they could do if it would actually solve the, the pain points that we were having. And I'd kind of get to a point a lot of the time and then there'd be something where it's like, this isn't going to be scalable past like me doing it or past doing it for say like 10 clients or 20 clients. Like I wanted something that we could do with a team of people with 50, 100, 200 clients. Like as we, we grow, it needs to not be hard to, to do that as well. Um, but also still get the intricacies of, of, of what we were doing. So I probably would have gone through at least 20 um, different tools and I've got a folder with all of them in it of like the pros and cons like some were amazing and then they were just like a hundred thousand dollars for like one company and you're like okay well that's out um, so there was there was some really good tools they just weren't built for the accounting industry and they went or they weren't built for Australia or so um, kind of went moved past them or or I did I spoke to like um, some of the founders and kind of spoke about what the problems were here and either they didn't get it or they didn't see the opportunity or they didn't want to or um, and they I could kind of see there was no point in trying to negotiate with someone like they had their priorities we had ours so um, then got to that point of well if no one else is doing it at, at some point it needs to be fixed otherwise it's just going to continuously annoy me um, and so um, let's have a go at it if, if we can't fix it then maybe it's a not not as big a problem but <laughs> yeah well i mean hopefully it doesn't get to that but uh, i mean in terms of the the space that you're in there's a lot of players who uh, you know are out there with existing tools as you said tools that you've tested and played with and tried to use some of them are doing better than others but there's also been a number of players who have i suppose crashed and burned and and not not made it work and uh, perhaps are some good examples of of what not to do when going into the accounting industry, what, what do you think? Why do you think you're better placed to succeed than than those other startups that you know, many of which raised millions of dollars uh, and they weren't able to succeed? I, I personally think I understand like what the end client wants extremely well, and through what we've built, like kind of what we've hacked together ourselves of like, because at the end of the day, this is almost like a hacked together version or like completing the hack together version, like um, that's just in a nice you know, app form. Um, so, and clients have responded really well to that. When I've shown, like given other accountants access to that um, aspect or discussed it with other accountants, like they're the exact very small problems that we're having, almost every other person has had plus other things. Um, and I think kind of, just listening to what their problems are and making sure we can kind of nail those things will allow us to be quite successful. We're not, we're not necessarily like reaching for the, the stars and trying to be like a billion dollar company or anything. We're trying to you know, be profitable and build a, build a good product. And I think kind of keeping smaller initially rather than just going massive um, from the, or trying to go massive from the start. Um, I think in my opinion, that's probably where we will succeed, that we're not, you know, money hungry, trying to get every dollar. Not that I'm saying other people are, or other tech companies are, but, you know, that is a, uh, yeah, get as much money as you can and spend it as quick as possible is a pretty common thing. 
Liam, just to jump in and take a step back. Um, so when, because you, you obviously you've got intimate knowledge of a lot of the solutions and competitors uh, in Australia and other markets, uh, but when or potentially what kind of like made you think like, oh, there's a gap in the market there? Uh, or like, when did that happen? Or what kind of like prompted like, there is a gap there, I want to address it. I mean, I guess there's, I probably knew there was a gap for a while before we started um, building any tech. What prompted it was actually something completely separate of a client knowing that we wanted to build it. And one of their developers um, who came very highly recommended um, being available and therefore it kind of sped up that that timeline and, and looking at like there was tools that were going to be expensive, but we could basically develop something for about the same cost. And yes, you know, there's a time lag, but I think I don't think there was necessarily a point in which it was like, uh, I've now reviewed this tool and therefore um, I now know the gap is exists after reviewing X amount of tools. I think it was more, there was realizing that like everything did different things and to get something that was so specific to um, what we're building um, was going to be very difficult without kind of workarounds in other tools. Um, and so it was that kind of other external thing that actually prompted it of like, well, we have this opportunity right now. If we don't take it now, then um, Subham, who's our um, lead developer, like he won't, he won't be here in a month. So do we either go now or do we wait and try and find something else later? And, and so if this is based on your own personal experience, how, what are you doing? How are you making sure that, you know, you don't end up building a product just for you, but something that, or do you care, you know, number one, or, you know, yeah. What, what are you doing? How are you making sure that, you know, you don't just accidentally build something for one person? Yeah, I mean, uh, having having been an accountant in the kind of early adopters hub with you guys and reviewing tech and seeing that process and understanding how how the conversation is different because I've say startups that I've worked with um, that were before early adopters hub compared to after like the line of questioning understanding that they got was very different before and after or even the conversation I had with them was very different and it was very much like. Um, you know, very congratulated, like everything was positive and like no kind of real hard questions. And then, so I kind of saw the value in, in doing um, early adopters hub with, with you guys from the other side of like, I could still talk to those same accountants because I'm friends with some of them. I have good relationships in, in their kind of industry, but would I get the same honesty as like, you know, a thoroughly kind of thought out process? I don't, I don't think I, would from you know the most part not because they're not honest people just because that's not how the conversation i wouldn't have probably put the conversation down that path so um i think to avoid it just being for ourselves um we kind of we did did that otherwise yeah it would just be you know me making it for me and let's see what we can build and see like what works What's that, what's that process been like? Not, not our program per se, just the process of putting yourself out there and risking 
finding out things that you don't want to hear or potentially getting feedback that might tell you to go in a different direction? It's definitely scary at, <laughs> at points. Like, say, at the, the very first point of not even knowing if people were going to, like, after we had our, like, initial um, presentation and, like, where people even going to um, – agree with the point in general, like just as a basic starting point, is this a problem for other people? Um, that was that was pretty pretty scary to know, like have we just wasted uh, a bunch of time like doing a zero integration for something that, you know, effectively we probably could do in Power BI and just build for ourselves kind of thing. Um, but then when, when that kind of came through, that was positive that it was like, all right, well now it's the next stage. And then kind of going through that, next bit i think it's for me it's always just like scary of like what what are we doing things that people are actually going to use and people are actually going to enjoy and do people have the same problems and i think so far we've seen that for the most part a lot of the problems are the same and then some are probably more um, specific to like certain firms than others but doesn't mean they're any less of a problem so yeah i think Overall, I'd say the process has been somewhat, somewhat scary and um, somewhat like just unknown. Like you know, in an accounting firm, I you know, know what accounting is, and I know that I've done it for a decade, and that's like my specialty. Um, but this is very new and unknown. And Liam, on on that, with with that uh, scariness, because we we do see that with a lot of founders. Uh, and it is difficult, uh, you know, to potentially uh, uh, basically solicit uh, feedback and insight you don't necessarily want to hear because it could contradict with your your vision. So, how would you balance, or how did you balance that scariness of hearing what you don't want to hear, and potentially your vision is is going the wrong way, uh, with actually you know getting that feedback and insight, and and in the end, obviously you 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 tip the balance towards let's actually get the, the structured insight that I need to hear, even if it's not aligned with my big vision. But what what kind of like for you tip the balance towards that rather than, you know what, I have a vision and I'm just going to push it and we'll see how it goes. Um, I think for me, in terms of like, say, building for ourselves versus building for others and therefore like what, what would make us go down this path, like at the end, at the end of the day, being a non-technical founder, like I don't, if, if our idea is say this and like the, our design has done this and yes, it's kind of has initially stemmed from me, but there's lots of things that other people have done. I don't really take it personally if like that specific idea isn't in line with everyone's thinking. I'd more, I'd happily go down a different path. And if there was something that we say, needed in particular that it was just like a you know we absolutely need this then we'd work out a way to make them both work in a way that's like you know ours isn't overbearing the overall problem um but that problem is still getting fixed so i think in general like not taking it personally um has helped there's only been one instance and that was more me <laughs> getting down on myself about something but um yeah i, th I think that's that's helped that i haven't kind of been as someone who's quite confident and can be arrogant in a conversation or a situation 
I think this has been very humbling and like, I don't know everything and the amount of people that have given suggestions and you're like, yeah, no, that makes sense. And especially when they explain the reasoning behind the suggestion, I think initially, if you just hear a suggestion, it's like, okay, well, you could just dismiss that because, um, you know, you, you don't actually know the follow up. Um, but then hearing the follow up, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, I mean, as long as you've got rational thought, then, then you should follow that. Yeah, I, I don't know if you realize, but you have a sign in the background that says stay foolish. And it probably speaks to the point you're making around, you know, as a founder needing to remain humble and open to the fact that your customer might not think the same way as you and, and a trap that I think we see a lot of founders get into is that they expect everybody to be rational and logical like like they are and it doesn't matter how logical you are as a founder if your customers act differently to that or 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 don't want what you're trying to offer them then just continuing to bang your head against the wall with rationality doesn't always work so you do sometimes have to understand that you don't know what you don't know there are unknown unknowns um, and there's certain ways that work better than others to kind of uncover those things to to take the conversation a little bit of a different direction, you mentioned earlier on that you know you don't have wild ambitions to raise hundreds of millions of dollars or take over the world. Uh, you know you, you're probably preferring to build a sustainable business, a profitable business. So I'm curious to understand your uh, your mindset there. You know why you think that's the approach you want to take. Why maybe other startups haven't taken that approach or yeah if you see it as an advantage as a disadvantage can you just talk us through that yeah um i think i think like at a starting point actually um kind of this this aspect came from francois at patreon who kind of said that some some tech companies need capital because they're doing something that requires so much like um regulatory authority or that you need to um be able to you know fund it uh, and unless you're already a millionaire, no one person could necessarily do that compared to say, like for us, we had an opportunity where we could um, have a team that came within a specific budget and our accounting firm, we've like budgeted that for development. And I guess from my side, like I would, I, I work with a lot of startups who raise a lot of money. So I'm definitely not against raising money. It's more for us. Um, individually I probably don't deal that well with like timelines set upon me by an external factor that is kind of not necessarily within my control and so to put that in place um, whilst we're also building an accounting firm I think would have been very difficult for us I don't think we could have um, I don't think I could have mentally dealt with that um, very well um, and because I, I, I do still want to do both. So it's not like, you know, I want to move out of one and then the other. Um, and I do think you can build tech, like we, we've seen from other, I know from other, you know, tech in the accounting industry that has one developer and they've got an extremely good product. Like, um, you know, it is possible to do. I think there's a lot of people get a lot of money in and then spend it quickly without necessarily thinking through and looking at exactly what everyone would be doing. It's like the industry is like, we need this person because 
the industry says we need this person rather than necessarily does our business need this person. Um, so I guess coming from um, an accounting firm where we deal with um, businesses every day and seeing what is profitable and what is sustainable, um, I think that's probably why we, we made the decision that it, it was possible for us to do it, at least at this, this point in time. So why not? Yeah, and I imagine part of remaining lean and as any bootstrap startup has to be is finding a way to develop your product that's not going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, especially as a non-technical founder. So what's your process been there? You know, are you leveraging offshore developers? Are they part of your team? Are they outsourced agencies, CTO, co-founder? Can you talk us through your structure there? Yeah, so I mean, some of it is a bit, um, you know, just built on built on some trust of like we say what we're gonna do. Like we have contracts in place and everything, but like um, we we have a team uh, offshore in Nepal, um, and as I kind of mentioned before, uh, one of our um, clients they have a team in Nepal as well. One of their um, guys who um, was really good due to his circumstances couldn't be in that um, team anymore not anything to do other than personal situation um and so we kind of gave him a um a concept and kind of um, did some stuff up in figma of like can you can you do this is this possible to do um and he built a bit of a proof of concept in uh two months we we kind of paid him a proof of concept fee i guess and had a contract with him and um, at the end of that, he kind of walked through it, um, showed that, you know, this is all, all doable. This is what we can kind of do. Um, and so then we kind of agreed that we would, um, hire, uh, or he would hire a couple of people. Um, I think we started off with, I think we did start, like he hired two people almost straight away, I think. Um, and. I, I did have a, before that I had a conversation with him. There was a pretty honest conversation between both of us of like, let's not screw each other over. I'm not going to, I have no intention of screwing you over. Don't have any intention of screwing me over and let's just not do that together. And, um, I mean, we are both, you know, relying on each other in, in some ways. So it's, um, I guess nice from that perspective. I'm very much a believer in like trusting someone first and dealing with the consequences later, if that doesn't work out and, um, to this point, uh, that hasn't happened, which is good. And I hope that doesn't happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess that's how it kind of, um, came about, uh, in terms of, I guess, from a non-technical founder, I'm obviously putting trust in, in someone else. Um, and this would apply whether they were in Nepal, whether they were in the UK, whether they're in Australia, like just because someone's sitting next to you, you still don't necessarily know what they're doing is, is the right thing. Um, so I, I am looking into, um, you know, how can we just solidify that and make sure that that's all kosher, I guess, um, which I don't know how to do. I also don't know how to do that and make sure that Subham understands that it's not for any other reason than, you know, just let's protect the idea and make sure that, um, the business is, is sustainable. And, um, so I haven't broached that um topic with him yet but um yeah the, I, I need to do that which i haven't done yet yeah so i mean we've covered we've covered a number of different things how you kind of came up with the the idea from your personal pain point 
you know, seeking profitability, leveraging an offshore team. Uh, but I'm curious from your perspective, if, if we think about the purpose of the podcast and we think about who's listening, early stage accounting tech founders trying to give them insights into, you know, potentially some of the pitfalls and, and mistakes that they need to avoid. Is there anything that you can kind of look back even on this short journey and say with a lot of confidence that if you were to do this again, you wouldn't have done X, Y or Z? I think, I mean, it has been very early, so there's not necessarily like heaps of things that could have gone wrong. Um, but I think something that I have definitely overlooked and probably still continue to to overlook is the lack of like knowledge that everyone in the team has of different parts of, of the team. So like me explaining a fair, what I believe to be a fairly straightforward concept from an accounting perspective is just completely foreign concept to someone else, whether they're, it's not because they're in um, Nepal, like that same concept would be foreign here. Um, and I think like explaining how to, or what I want to do, and then kind of it taking a week or two and then kind of finding out that like a very small part of it that was kind of fundamental to the rest of it wasn't known and um, wasn't necessarily asked at the time. That's been, that's probably happened a few times. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, um, that's on everyone for not um, communicating that more. We're getting much better at communicating that and I guess me acknowledging that that's a thing and therefore kind of um, question, questioning back the understanding. Um, we, we did also have one developer who um, was working on something for like a good two months without kind of reporting back and then there was a bit of lag. He, he's no longer working with the team um, and uh, like I guess probably having a bit more oversight and a bit more um, not micromanaging at all because I don't believe in that kind of way of doing stuff but I think because I like inherently trust people then sometimes things may may take longer than they potentially could, but I, I don't necessarily know because also I'm not technical. So it's like that combination of like um, being being very kind of like allowing people to be very autonomous, but also not being technical can potentially create an issue. I could see I could see it being, you know, something could just get, kind of get let slip for quite a while without me necessarily doing anything about it. Yeah, no, that's good and. And I think that communication piece is is really important and one of the most valuable assets that I think founders get, you know, from from doing their research is, you know, recordings of those conversations that you might be having with other accountants that provide the insight that, you know, a product manager or a, uh, you know, a technical team member, developer, senior engineer might not have and just helping them to understand what is this person, what is this accountant going through every day? What is the pain point that they have so that when they build a feature or a, or a new function in the product, they understand the use case. And I think that that role and that communication is is really key to ensuring you don't just end up with some cool piece of tech that doesn't actually solve a problem like too many others. Yeah, I actually, I actually did that, like a you know 20 minute summary of all the market research and stuff so far um, and like what the specific um, key things that came up were and shared it with the team uh, only yesterday, um, and they 
really enjoyed like I think I think it's overlooked how much they also enjoy understanding the problem. I think um, everyone kind of sits in their own area um, where they look, but then don't necessarily, or they take for granted what how how much someone else might enjoy also seeing um, like all of that information. It's it might seem like kind of tedious to you to give it to someone else, but it's, it's actually not. So to wrap to wrap it up, Liam, I got two rapid fire questions for you. So feel free to keep your answers short. One is from your accounting perspective as an accountant who deals with a lot of vendors, what is one mistake you see too many vendors make? And then the other is our finishing question that we finish on with every single guest is, you know, what is one of the biggest tar pit mistakes that you see accounting tech startups make and that they need to avoid? Yeah, so I think from being an accountant on the accounting side, um, when tech companies don't build, if you're building an, for an, the accounting industry and you don't build good relationships with the accountants and really listen to what um, what they're saying, um, you can lose them quite quickly. If you if you do that, they'll be sticky for a long time. Um, but if you don't do that, it's very very much like oh they weren't they weren't listening to me. Um, these were our problems that I know are problems. I know these other firms have problems the same and they weren't listening to any of us. Um, and then probably on the target side, um, similarly in like not listening, but like telling accountants what the next trendy thing will be, the continual term of like compliance is dead. Um, when, you know, even just looking at our P&L compliance, even in a tech forward firm, uh, firm compliance is to our highest revenue. So um, it's definitely as government mandated, you know, policy, that uh, that exists um yeah i think it's something that you know tech companies can think oh you know this this next thing is going to be what what makes us um people just don't know it yet um but yeah i don't necessarily think that's uh, that's the case awesome good chatting thanks very much Liam, for your time and um hope there's some gold nuggets in there for anybody who's listening cheers mate all right thanks Thank you once again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you are a potential founder in your early stages of developing a product or elsewhere in the journey struggling to achieve product market fit, we would love for you to reach out at www.earlyadoptershub.com. This has been another episode of the Accounting Tech Tar Pit presented by Early Adopters Hub, the accelerator for accounting tech.